Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Perception is Reality. I am your host, David, and joining me today is my nephew, Ryan Hook. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. It's funny. It's, it's kind of funny to have you on the show because, and I know you're not going to remember this because you were maybe three or four, but you and I, uh, and everybody should know that you and I aren't that far apart in age. We're only 12 years apart. This is correct. Um, so I was pretty much, I, I was your babysitter uh, a lot. Uh, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that because like it's a bad thing. We had some fun times. All, uh, all reports are that I was a pretty good kid. You were, yes. Your, your brother, um, who will be coming up in a, in a future episode, was a little <laughs> bit more of a handful. But uh, the three of us got into some trouble together, let's just say. But yes. you in particular... You and I, when you were maybe like three or four, would actually, I had one of those old-fashioned cassette recorders with an external, with a microphone wired to it. And when you were little, we would watch The Muppet Show together. Mm -hmm. and it must have been when you were four, because that's when Kyle was born. And uh, that's when I ended up really started coming over more when, when your mom needed help, because two boys are kind of a handful. Uh, you and I would watch The Muppet Show. And you liked Fozzie the Bear's jokes. I did. <laughs> so I would pretend to be Kermit with the microphone, and I would interview you as Fozzie the Bear. And you would always tell me a joke, and you would end up with the waka, waka, waka. I do remember this, actually. <laughs> I do not know where that tape is. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> I, 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 that's the only thing that I've been thinking about, knowing that I'm going to be interviewing you today. So well, everybody... I that was memory lane. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I just, I think it's interesting just cause I also would like to think that some of the inspiration for this podcast would be some of the crazy conversations we have had at family dinners and uh, gatherings uh, oh, in the past. So absolutely. I if, feel like this is a full circle kind of an event. If, if our family isn't the epitome of perception as reality, I don't know what is. Um, it's very, very good point. Um, so on that note, let's just jump right into it before we lose the audience's attention. <laughs> what are we talking about today? So what is on my mind lately is kind of like a software upgrade to the operating system of our governmental system. So I guess, and this is not my analogy, I stole it from somebody else, so I don't remember, but if the original, you know, founding fathers gave us the groundbreaking, um, you know, version of our operating system back in the uh, 18th century, that maybe it's time to start thinking about patching it up a little bit and making it uh, more relevant to a modern era. Interesting. Um, we do have some very interesting discussions at the uh, Sunday dinner table or holidays. And this is, I could definitely see us sitting down uh, to dessert <laughs> or a dinner. Well, dessert. Dinner conversation is usually uh, mostly chaotic. But uh, yeah. you and I, anyway, talking about this. So how do you think, let's just start here. Mm-hmm. Let's take a founding father. Who's your favorite? Well, the person who I actually admire the most is George Washington, but mostly for what he didn't do. Not that he didn't do great things, but the fact that he didn't stay on, the fact that he didn't accept a kingship. He set norms that weren't codified. Um, and, I, and if you look at history there aren't a lot of examples of people who have had that level of restraint. Well, that's a very good point. And 
it, it's it's a good segue into what I was actually going to ask you, or a good bridge, I mean, to what I was going to ask you is, let's just say we take Father George. We go and we bring him to the future, and he's here right now. Mm -hmm. And somehow... He doesn't, his brain doesn't implode because of all the technological advances and everything, but he's able to process it because for goodness sakes, he's, he's the original GW, right? Yeah. So what do you think his perceptions of today's day and age would be? What's his perception of now? Well, that's, that's a very, it's a very interesting question. You know, it's always hard to enter the mind of any other human, let alone one who lived 250 plus years you know, before you did, um, you know, but since we're speculating and that's the fun of this, um, you know, I'd like to think that in, in, you know, first in many ways, he would still be very proud of what we've become, you know, as a country. Um, and I think hopefully the world, um, you know, we have, you know, co you know, regional conflicts still pop up, but in the, you know, it's terrible, but, you know, we have definitely, hopefully comparatively calmed things down since his era um you know but i i do wonder what he would think about this the stage of international politics um you know and f the idea of uh, foreign powers uh you know I, he famously was you know worried about the two-party system and the interference of foreign powers and in, in many ways we've kind of you could argue we've reached the point that we've kind of culminated in many of his worries reaching a fever pitch in today's day and age. Well, and that, go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to say, and that's part of my inspiration for thinking about what ways can we kind of supercharge our democracy to, I don't want to say diminish that because I'm not trying to, it's not about, to me, it's not even about right, left, conservative, liberal. It's just how do the, I think the spectrum's wider than that, than those two options. And how do we reflect that better in our representatives and in our government? Well, there are some people out there that would say, oh, let's just leave George. We put him down at a Starbucks and he's, <laughs> he's, he's thoroughly engrossed in how good a cup of coffee can be in today's day and age versus back then. Uh, so what, um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. Um, some people would say that our government is perfect still, even to this day. I mean, because everybody's got their different perceptions. There's those mm -hmm. that, that think it could use a little tweaking like you, and we'll talk about the what, where's, hows, and whys. I want to start with the why in a minute. But then mm -hmm. there's those people who perceive everything as, is. is lovely um mm -hmm. so let's say that you're talking to one of those people right now how would you why do you think we need a software upgrade i think it's i, I think you can look even in the words that the founders used you know they used the words to create a more perfect union even they they knew what they were doing at least they intended, and I think they did, create something better than what preceded that. But they also knew, to me, the words more for perfect, the way I perceive those words, is a constant striving to reach the unattainable perfection, right? Perfection is unattainable, but we should always be striving to be more perfect in our union as a country. Okay. So to, I think to assume perfection to me is, a, is always a fallacy, no matter how much progress you've made. Um, and it's, it's, it fosters complacency. I mean, in, in having been a student of business and management, um, you know, that's almost one of the t number one things that you learn in school is that complacency equals the death of any company. Um, you know, in our own hometown, I mean, we have a an absolute, you know, we have Kodak that was a behemoth, 
got complacent and it's now a bunch a bunch of buildings that have been torn down and and destroyed so i i think there's definitely examples that to be wary of any complacency and to assume perfection in anything that you do. That's a good point. And I'm not sure that, well, I mean, I'm not sure that there would be a lot of people on that side that think we're doing okay, would agree with you. But then there's a whole nother group of people. See, I would say what I'm trying to say there is I don't think that those people think that we've become complacent because there have mm-hmm. been laws that have been passed and things that have been passed that were not complacent. In fact, I would think that some people think that we've gone too progressive. I know that uh, living down here in Texas now, you hear a lot about complaints about New York. Mm-hmm. And two recent examples are Gender X and the new abortion law that just passed. Now we don't have to discuss those because that's not what we're talking about. I'm just giving examples of how somebody would say that we're not complacent. We are perfect. Mm -hmm. We're not complacent, but you know, maybe we're too progressive. So, so that actually gives me an interesting line of thinking and that's, and I don't, there's no right or wrong answer here. Right. So we are fairly unique in our structure in that we have, such strong individual lawmaking and and policy setting um, uh, abilities by our non-centralized federal government, right? And that was as, you know, most people would agree as intended. But if you look at other Western democracies, the central, um, you know, federal government is, does not necessarily relegate those decisions to individual states or provinces. you know, so part of this exercise is also asking ourselves, you know, how much of this still matters, um, you know, to us. Obviously, that's the way it was drawn up, but there's pros and cons, right? If you you could say, well, we should we should restrict that ability and have a more centralized decision making, but are you okay with the result maybe not working out in your favor, right? So. I think these are some of the questions when I talk about this topic that are important for us to think about, even if the decision is, nope, we're good, we like the way it is, but to really understand why. Well, the question why is what a lot about what I try to accomplish here is to understand the why. And I will say this is that I think my perception of the current climate today, especially looking at the visceral reaction of MAGA kid and the Native American elder, that we're too divided. I don't think mm-hmm. we can, we are going on the longest government shutdown that we've had. Mm-hmm. And if we can't get the government to the table now, we can't agree on that now. How would we be able to take a look at uh, a 2.0 version of our government. Yeah, and I, that is a that is a major concern, right? And that's actually not like you know which came first, the chicken or the egg. For me, that's almost what led me to thinking about making changes or what could help us make those changes because it's not something that's going to be like a, here's. I don't think it could be a big sweeping, uh, you know, reform because we can't. We're just too far apart and i feel like we've been as a as a citizenry we've been pushed to the fringes um you know and it's it, it's it's looking back it seemed too easy to do but we didn't realize that it was being done at the time because it's just very easy to, to say hey well this person disagrees with you so you, even if i'm a scumbag you are gonna vote for me because i have policies I'm the only other option, right? And when you have two options, um, it's easier to start tribal, you know, using tribal mentality and pushing people to their corners um, and to support things that really don't align with their viewpoints, at least their, their viewpoints that up to that point. Um, and, you know, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of that. You, I see people who I thought had certain values supporting things that don't seem 
to align with those values because now they're aligning with their team. And that's, that's what has made me think of how do we, how do we stop some of this team mentality as the first step? I definitely see that. So you, I think that your perception is correct here. We've gone from having beliefs to picking a team and we're now either red or blue, left or right. Mm -hmm. There is no gray. There is no anything. There is the assumption. And, you know, this kid may be an evil person. I don't know him. I, I can't say that. Mm -hmm but I'm surely not going to judge him just based on his hat. And that's what we become. But also I do want to say this. I'm don't judge any of the inner city kids and think that they're evil just because of the way they're dressed or the color of their skin either. So that's just who I yeah. am as a person. And I don't, but what I'm seeing in my newsfeed and Facebook is my friends are completely polarized. I don't think I have very many friends that ride the center. I feel like I'm in the center, the center <laughs> line, trying to balance these two extremes. And I guess that's part of the reason why I want to know perception is reality because the, we view the world through our own lenses. Mm -hmm. Those lenses are perceptions. Those perceptions get molded into our reality that becomes a reality. And I talk a lot about in the podcast confirmation bias. Yep. And our news feeds have confirmed our pre-existing biases and how that is um, a danger zone. And people aren't getting exposed to other opinions and people are afraid to have a conversation mm -hmm. uh, about anything. Uh, if it's not in a text, there's a, a don't, contact me. I see that a lot. Um, <laughs> people just don't want to have that conversation. Well, and I think it's, and this is going to sound a little condescending and I don't mean it that way, but it is easier to be told versus to decide, right? Like it's a lot, it's a lot harder to look at a situation, try to run it through your value system and say, how do I, how do I think about this? It's, it is easier to say, okay, we think this way, right? I'm a this and we think this way. Um, but that's, in some ways, I think that's where the change has happened because, you know, like I've thought about this, you know, you know for, you know, you know, I live in a, a fairly rural uh, area, um, you know, and regardless of the political party of, let's say the representative in my district, there should be some values that they have in common with another uh, representative of a rural district in, I don't know, pick any state that, you know, Iowa with farming, right? Like there, even if there's a Republican and Democrat, there should be some common ground there on certain issues such as, you know, farming being one of them, you know, mm -hmm. access to clean water. Like that's some basic stuff that I feel like is even breaking down because it's, we're so solidified in our corners that is that, is that, you know, the reports out of Washington is that's, those aren't, those conversations don't happen as much because it's not about finding the common ground anymore. It's about what does party A want? What does party B want? And that's where I feel like choice needs to come into the, to the, to the mix because we have to remind people because their perception currently is I have two choices, but the fact of the matter is, is that is, that is not the reality of the situation, right? You can think many different ways you know the old you know libertarians the big l the libertarian party has tried has tried to come out as the socially liberal you know economically fiscally conservative party but there's even more nuance than that you can be quote unquote one way on you know conservative on one issue and liberal on another centrist on another and you know that's there's nothing wrong with that right those are your belief systems um you know so how we can change people's perceptions to get back to thinking that it's okay to have, you know, thoughts that might not align with one of the two political parties is to try to give more choice in that process. I agree. I know that you and I have had this discussion at least once about the two party system. Uh, I definitely, and this is one thing uh, that I often 
fail at is trying to maintain neutrality on these talks, but I, I do try. But mm -hmm. I am anti-two-party. Um, in fact, I'm so anti-party, I refuse to even register as, I'm a registered voter. Uh, I talked about that with Clint in the non-voter. Clint is mm -hmm. um, a non-voting, a person who does not vote. He thinks it's okay. useless. Uh, he thinks voting is useless, but uh, I won't even, I'm registered to vote, but I will, I refuse to pick a party. I won't even put the word in, I won't even check independent because independent <laughs> doesn't mean independent anymore. Yeah. Um, so there's no real choices. Independents usually fill in the blanks with whatever candidates that are, they just pick off the other two ballots. So yeah. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, but real quick, I wanted to just solidify one of your thoughts. So today, yeah. my friend um, Danielle Reese posted a cartoon. And in the cartoon, it's a line of people, long line of people. And, and they're in queue to get answers. And the sign, the path to the left is simple but wrong. Mm -hmm. The path to the right is complex but right. <laughs> And the path to the left that's simple but wrong is maybe it's a very short path and it goes over a cliff. <laughs> the path that's simple or complex but right goes up a mountain and you see people reading books. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that uh, when you, when you spoke earlier, you reminded me of that, that cartoon. Yeah. And it's, I think that's, you know, part of the, you know, part of the idea, and it's not that, you know, that everybody has to have this like studious, you know, I'm just going to study constitutional law and I'm going to become an expert, but just if we could even just tweak the perception again, since the theme of the podcast, that these are, this is something to even to, to start thinking about and, you know, getting people to look at ballot measures to change certain, you know, um, you know, election laws or things that, you know, ballot access laws, things that would help kind of open the system up, you know, that alone is, is a huge hurdle, but that's really all of our individual, just again, the way we look at reality, just that simple tweak of being open to that change could pay dividends down the road. Well, how do you think also, uh, let me just say this. How do you think we change those people's perceptions? And I say that because when I, I often coach people, uh, whether it be about a business or dealing with another person, that if you want to change that person's reality, you need to change that person's perceptions. Exactly. So how do we change people's perceptions on the two-party system? Do we sit them down in front of a TV and make them watch the episode that Matt Groening drew out of The Simpsons? <laughs> Where it's uh, Bush versus Clinton, yeah, and they're neither one of them are an actual candidate. They're aliens, and they come to take over the yep. world. And it's the one where Ross Perot, Ross Perot's the third party candidate, and he yep. loses, and, <laughs> and he punches his hat. Yeah, yes. he punches right through his little election hat. Yep, that's a classic one. That is, and I think Matt Groening made an excellent point. But how do we get people? How do we get people to understand that point? So I think you can do it by even just starting to get stuff changed at the local level. And that's actually one of the main reasons I've um, decided to get involved in our local politics here in my hometown. My ulterior motive is to try to get some of these measures into local voting so people start thinking about it and seeing how it can change because I think inaction is one of the best ways to change people's perception. And it's a lot less threatening when it's city or county votes versus a state senator, or a U.S. senator, or a state representative, a U.S. representative. Um, you know, and there's also just, you know, which is this podcast as well as having conversations with people. I, um, you know, like to talk to people. My immediate supervisor is very different than me as far as her political views, but we have phenomenal conversations because 
we understand each other's viewpoints and where we're coming from, there's very little judgment. Um, and even if we don't change each other's minds, I think we both walk away enriched because we at least understand the other person because everybody's, what you believe is a product of the, the amount of years you've spent on this planet. And to think that there's a meme or a cartoon or something you're going to post to Facebook that's going to all of a sudden flip someone's switch is kind of silly that you're going to undo decades of their learning and their life experiences that have led them to their current belief system. Wait, 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 wait. My perception is that whenever I post something that everybody in the world sees it and automatically it changes their minds forever and always. Now, for those people that don't know me, that was my sarcasm font. <laughs> um, but no, sincerely though, this is what I'm talking about with confirmation bias. So let's just say you post that meme. Mm-hmm. Who are you? I, and I think this to my friends all the time when they, they're so extreme. And I always think to myself, who do you think is seeing this? It's all your friends who think, mm-hmm. think the same thing. Um, or it's, you know, your friends and they're just like, oh, so-and-so is just being a little crazy today, you know, whatever. Um, it, it really, it, it doesn't matter. It's a drop in the ocean yeah. because of confirmation bias. Now, let's just say that you're fortunate enough to have a diverse French friend feed on Facebook, which I am. I have a pretty, mm-hmm. especially because I moved down here, mm-hmm. I've been able to diversify quite a bit. I've lived all over the country. I've got friends from everywhere, all over the world. So I feel fortunate, but most don't have that feed. And even if with that friendship, I only get people that I recently interact with. Facebook is making sure (laughs) that happens. So I'm not getting a diversified feed there, even with my diverse friends. So how do we, and, and Brian, people are uh, it's a 144 character world how do you mm-hmm. get the message across well hopefully the people that are listening to this can start taking up the mantle that i've trying i'm trying to push forward and to start talking to humans in person again um and try it's it, it can be hard right because a lot of people are coming into the real world with the virtual world kind of backpacked onto them, right? You know, like little Yoda talking in their ears, little evil Yoda talking in their ears, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, so you do have to have a little patience, but if you set that tone to say like, and you, you know, I learned this in customer service, right? You can easily diffuse a situation by not rising to the other person's tone. There's a good chance they'll come down to where you are because of personality mirroring is kind of hardwired into us. Um, so if you can break that cycle of not mirroring that, the, the, um, that very, I'll just say very high energy of somebody uh, coming out of those echo chambers, um, you know, you can have really good conversations with people. And um, I think that's so important because that is the great American experiment. It's the great American experiment is not, how do we make 350 million or however many our people are in this country all agree together? It's how can 350 million people that don't agree have a functioning society and government? And that's what makes this country special is that it has always been that way. Even from the beginning when it was much more homogeneous as far as, um, you know, ethnic and, and countries of origins, there still was a ton of differences between the colonies um, arguments on who paid for what in the Revolutionary War. Like, it's always been a difficult road. And that's, but the conversation and seeing that we're all working towards this shared goal. And I'm, um, I think, was it Maxine Waters that said, and she, she used the word, she said, the Constitution is our shared myth. And she didn't mean it that it's false. She meant that's America's that's all of our thing to strive to, right? Like the, the perfection of what this country could be, right? No matter who you are, where you came from, the ideas 
our our shared values and i feel like that's it's we've focused too much on trying to agree on everything versus trying to have conversations and seeing where people stand because you know the 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 chances are there's no amount of posturing that's going to make the people in texas and the people here in new york agree with each other there it's 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 not going to happen people have have different life experiences but how do we how do we have a, a, a our country stretches from coast to coast and we have to keep this thing running because um you know i think it's for all the things that have happened good you know good and bad that this country has done you know there's i think an argument to be made that it has the some total the united states of america has been a force for positive change in the world and um you know how do we continue to improve upon that if we're not speaking with each other and we're letting facebook algorithms decide what we see um you know and pushing us further into our corners that way because and they're and maybe they're nefarious maybe they aren't but they just really want you to stay on facebook for five more minutes and if if you get mad at yeah, somebody on the other side of the aisle is going to do that, then they're going to show you that all day long. No, that that's true. Um, typically, they show you more of what they think you want to see, and it's not usually a differing of opinion. But if, if it mm -hmm. was, if that did keep people on Facebook more, yep. they would, they would yeah. change their algorithm in, in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I will say this from living, uh, living all over the country, um, and uh, I mean, not in every state, but multiple states. I mean, yeah. more than five. Uh, I will say this: that they people have more in common mm -hmm. than they realize. So the question, the question is, how do we get them to see that that there is more in common? Because I think what you're what you've said earlier is you know, people in Texas and people in New York aren't necessarily going to have the same views, which they're not, but they do have common ground, which is what I think mm -hmm. propelled us forward from back then to the original GW days to, to now is that there was common ground, but there was also socially acceptable to debate publicly. And by that, I mean, mm -hmm. have a conversation in a public place that may or may not have a differing opinion. Yeah, it was okay to do that, express that. People thought about it. I mean, you can see what happens. I think, uh, you know, th there's been some duels in history that have <laughs> resulted in these things. But all in all, I think that lends to uh, the critical thinking is missing. Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of the movie Idiocracy. Yes. And we're, we're, like you said, the algorithms are doing the thinking for us. And that's one of the things that, that I wanted to accomplish with this podcast. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again now to remind everybody that this podcast is about a conversation. I don't prep for these at all. I get on and I ask the guest, I tell the guest to have a topic at hand. Um, and then we just, I ask and then I find out and then we have an actual one-on-one -on -one unscripted conversation. And you know what? It's awkward and that's okay. We're having a conversation. Um, and by awkward, I don't mean like we're awkward people. I just mean conversations have lulls. They have pregnant pauses. We're on, we're using uh, software that is reliant on Wi-Fi or cell signal. There's going to be audio qualities, and I don't edit anything out. So people can hear that. You know what? After this, after this conversation today, Ryan and David will, nothing bad will happen to us because Ryan clipped a little bit or I clipped a little <laughs> bit or I took a moment after you said something to think about what I wanted to say or think about what you said because it was making sense or maybe I didn't agree with it, but I had to think mm -hmm. that weird thinking thing. Um, so I'm hoping people put the phones down and have conversations because I don't, 
I, th I think I said this to Vera during the, our discussion about race is that if we can't get along, we're never going to evolve to where I think we, we ultimately, the human race can go. Mm -hmm. and, and you and I have had that specific conversation. It was yep. quite a long one. And we were talking about, we're never going to achieve true interstellar travel if we can't on this planet all get along. Yeah, I think it's impossible without that step. And then you and I also like to talk about uh, alien life and why there is or isn't one and how civilizations, one of the theories of alien life doesn't exist or we hasn't contacted us that may exist is that the civilization can only reach a certain point before it self-destructs. Mm -hmm. And we're quickly approaching that, we'll self-destruct. Somewhere else life will spring up, they'll self-destruct. And I don't want that to happen to us just because people have gotten lazy and they're afraid to talk to mm -hmm. each other. And I think that's an important point, right? As far as we know, we are the only intelligent life in the universe. And I think with that should come a, a huge responsibility um, to perpetuate that life. And, um, you know, whether you believe in that because of religion or because of uh, the sheer fact that we have not experienced any other intelligent life, whatever the, whatever the source of that is, I think that should come with an immense responsibility to work towards unification. And, you know, sometimes that's a scary word to people, but getting along doesn't need to be scary, right? I mean, you, you can, you can have, you, you know, our system of government to tie it back has that diffusion down to the local level, right? Like just because people aren't, you know, shooting missiles at each other doesn't mean that all of a sudden there's this massive new world order that has, you know, stormtroopers marching down the streets. Like there's a middle ground there. That's you know. mind-blowing that there could be a middle ground. I mean, <laughs> no, it has to be black or white. It has to yeah. be red or blue. There can't be middle ground. You know, and that's, and, and so, and I will always say also, you know, for full disclosure that, you know, for those that don't know me, I'm selfishly, you know, want human progress because, uh, you know, I have a pretty serious medical condition that we may be on the cusp of curing. So I kind of want more geniuses and more people working on peaceful things than, uh, the non-peaceful things for my own self-interest as well. But I think everybody has that. If you really think about what is important to you and we all have somebody close to us that has some kind of a challenge that may be solved by human ingenuity. Um, so isn't it better to be focusing on that and working on those problems in the long run? I think we could all probably agree that that's the case. Um, so how do we, you know, that's how that's, part of the motivation for this whole 2.0 project. You know, that's, the, that's the end goal. That's admirable. And, and I, uh, I actually happen to have a relative that's fairly sick and has a chronic illness that's approaching a cure. I would like the medical minds of today to help him out as well. Mm -hmm. Um, May or may not be my nephew, but well, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I I agree with you, and it's it's interesting to I, I it's interesting to hear all your viewpoints, but and and that's not a loaded but I shouldn't have said the word but. <laughs> what I would like to find out is how did how did you grow and come to these conclusions because now I want to understand like your yeah. personal perception. Mm -hmm. Like how did you start even getting interested in this line of thought? Uh, this, this is going to sound pessimistic. I don't mean it that way. I think I really bought in to the, to the true propaganda that this country is great and can be great, right? That if you give people opportunity, that good things will happen. And that sent me down the path of, well, opportunity should, 
literally give everybody opportunity, right? Like educate people, give them the opportunities to make something of their lives because genius is a numbers game, right? You don't know where genius is going to pop up. It can pop up in any state, in any city, any town, any small town, big city. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's what can separate, um, you know, and hopefully eventually get us to a point where, you know, our leaders are uh, being more, uh, I don't want to say a, agreeable because people are going to disagree, but I don't know, respecting, respecting each other. But I think it's really comes, it does come back to like, I really believe in the, 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 the story of this country and, you know, we're not, you know, our family is not that far removed from our immigrant, uh, you know, ancestors, right? I mean, my grandmother knows, can show me on Google Maps the street that her dad grew up on. You know, that's, that's not that far removed from, you know, we are not a multi-century uh, generational residence of this country for the most part. And um, I don't know, like, I just really... I really believe in that, that you, you bring people together that didn't share a background, but are believing in one common goal and that special things can happen. I agree with you. Uh, that can, but how do we get there? And I'll, I'll give you an example mm -hmm. um, of just a, a crazy thought that I had uh, during a conversation about uh, building the wall because as you may know texas is a border state uh, is it but, yep for for anybody who's listening and doesn't know your geography <laughs> texas borders mexico okay good to know um i knew you knew that but uh <laughs> some people that's some sarcasm people don't. again some people don't uh and i'm, I'm sincere some people don't know that texas borders mexico but okay I threw out, people were arguing about this, so I threw out a different alternative, and I was like, why build a wall? We have a businessman as our president now. Why can't he go down to Mexico, talk president to president or El Comandante or whatever is going on down there, mm -hmm. and strike a better deal with Mexico? Why is that not an option? Well, uh, I mean... If you want to dive into that individually, I'm not sure how important the wall is versus the distraction that it's causing. Um, Slight of hand. Yeah, that's perception reality. I'm being my perception is being a little bit pessimistic on this one, and I think it's more about the sleight of hand than the actual issue. Um, I'd like to be wrong. Not that I'm for the wall. But I would, I would prefer it to be about that. I just don't see it that way. Well, we'll find out soon enough. So yeah. you got so this is backing up. So that you got into this, you bought into the American dream, as mm -hmm. described as the quintessential American dream, and that's that's shaped your your like of of how you got here. You're in you're not in politics, but you think about them, they're important. How do you think being the privileged white male influences your lenses that you're looking through? Like why should people who aren't, why should people listen to you? I mean, you're, you're in the majority. You are, mm -hmm. the, you are in the same demographic I am. Mm -hmm. We are quote unquote, the decision makers of the country, even though I don't feel like I am because the people in charge aren't really doing what I would want them to do. Yeah, but I know what you mean. I, I think it's, it's that realization, right? The fact that I know because I went to the school district that I went to, right? If I was born, you know, lived in the suburbs, that I had a leg up. And, and it's not, it's not a guilt thing, right? Like, I don't feel guilty about it. But it's, it's, I want everyone to have that same opportunity, right? I want an equal playing field because I honestly think there are people out there who could probably have done better than what I did with that same privilege, um, you know, with 
that opportunity, um, not because I think little of myself, you know, I have a pretty good self, I have pretty high self-esteem, but um, I just feel like we're missing, we're missing people. People are slipping through the cracks, um, you know, and we're just missing all these opportunities just because we're not, we don't have that same starting line for everybody. And I think that's coming to that realization, like you said, as a white male in America is, um, you know, it's, it's hard for some people because I think there is some people like want to defend against it because they feel like they should feel guilty, even if they haven't, or at least they don't think they don't perceive that they've used that for nefarious purposes. But to me, it's about how do I get, how do you give everybody that same, that same starting point? And obviously that's a, that's a huge, it's what we call a wicked problem, right? It's not, there's not one switch to flip, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't think about it and try to address it. Well, that would be, I, I agree with you uh, there because I do. And I, I've talked to, to Vera about this in her example, when we were talking about races, she often finds herself the only black woman in the room. And, you know, she often thinks to herself, why me? Mm-hmm. And part of the answer is because she was able to grow up in the suburb and get the education and have exposure and talk a certain way and dress a certain mm-hmm. way and just fit in more than maybe some of her peers. And she's attained quite a lot of success. And to this day, you know, she might find herself being the only black woman in the room or the black person in the room. And it's mm-hmm. definitely has a thought of, of why me? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good topic that you brought up. There's a lot of segues that we could go on here um, for future conversations. Absolutely. But getting back to the topic at hand about upgrading our government operating Mm -hmm. system to a 2.0. I mean, it's interesting to hear how you came to your perceptions, your, your reality of our currently flawed government system based on your, I would say self-awareness lens is how I would interpret that, which is very, introspective and, and, and interesting, but, uh, you know, I, I like to think that uh, I'm unique in that way, but I know you are just like that. <laughs> I'll take credit for that. <laughs> you know, you did grow up around me, but uh, we have a lot of deep thinkers in our family and uh, sometimes we get into violent agreement. Sometimes there's violent disagreement, uh, yeah. but there's definitely a lot of, a, a lot of thought, uh, a, lot of, a lot of introspection. So we need some patches on our, on our government system, and you're, you're going to try to make a difference at the local level and mm-hmm. help people's perceptions help their reality change by helping their perception of how things can be versus how they are. And yep. the one, one thing that you mentioned that is interesting that's come up with every conversation so far, whether it be you talking about government and politics or talking with Julie about her relationship with her husband, Clint or Vera about race or Jeremiah Craig about big data. It's really everything boils down to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And Vera said just the other day, last week, that uh, we need to just have them. Is that is that how you would sum it up? If you let's do this, let's leave our listeners with your final thoughts. Like, how would you summarize today? So yeah, so I think it's interesting because we we spoke about a version 2.0, but we didn't speak of any specifics. And I kind of like that because I don't pretend, I have my ideas, right? Ideas I've heard from people, read, you know, all sorts of things. But if anything, I would like people to talk with others about it, do their own research, look into 
what the changes could be versus having a telling from a podcast, you know, the two of us on a podcast and talk to people about it because what's, what you find is really interesting when I've had these conversations is it is actually something that people know regardless of where they fall on the political spectrum are super interested in because it is the foundations of the, of our democracy. And so far it has seemed to cross these political boundaries. And that's very interesting to me because it's one of the few things that can kind of spark a conversation between people that may not agree on almost anything else. Um, so that's, I, I parrot that, have a conversation, look, look at what some of these 2.0 ideas might be that are floating out there and start talking to people about them. Um, it, you know, pros and cons, um, challenges, it's you know challenges to get things passed challenges when they if they are enacted just just have those conversations and i think you might be surprised what pops up i can definitely say that people will be surprised what pops up and also they'll be surprised at what they can learn about their fellow human being yeah and all that there is similar there's more similarities than there are dissimilarities and I didn't take us down any particular road to lend to a conclusion because the show's not about coming to a decision or a conclusion. The show's about the process. How do we mm -hmm. filter through our lenses to get to our reality and how do we break through that or how did, how can I learn, how can the audience learn or how can perhaps even a guest, dare I say, learn something and, and you know, hopefully Someday I'll actually have a guest that will be like, wow, that was a really good idea. Or I never thought of something that way. Um, but that hasn't happened quite so dramatically, but there has been some form of revelation in the discussions, which has been good. So next time when we talk to Ryan, because he's my nephew and I can force him to come back. Uh, <laughs> We will have a different discussion about, I don't know, I'll let you pick again. Maybe I'll pick the next one. And you know what? I'm not going to say what that's going to be. I'm going to leave it a cliffhanger. What do you think about that? I think that's, I think that's a good idea. Now everybody is going to be like, what? What are they going to talk about? It'll, it'll probably be good, everybody, because we, uh, we have all sorts of things that we can dive into. So even I'm that I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> oh, I have some theories. Uh, <laughs> I have some theories. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining me today. Uh, I believe your uh, brother's going to talk with me this weekend. So uh, maybe I'll All do right. a hook, hook marathon, brother one and brother two. All right. Well, well everybody should together. enjoy that. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thanks for joining. All right, thanks.